1 John 3 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has yet not appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We've been singing, my Savior first of all. He's the first one I will see. He's the first one I want to see. He is the point of it all. We've been singing some songs this morning of heaven, of home, of the kingdom. What picture comes to your mind when you think of these things? Are you looking forward to that day and longing for that day? Well, the kingdom has two aspects to it. There's the not yet, but there's also the now. And we want to talk a little bit about the kingdom right here, right now, this morning as we come to Matthew 13. Would you bow in prayer with me as we begin? Father, we love you, and we look forward to the day we finally get to be home. We get to see our Savior face to face and be like him and be with you in that place forever. We thank you for that hope, that promise. Help us to respond to that promise the way your word calls us to by saying, I can't wait to be like Jesus then. I want to be like Jesus now. And as we look into your word now and we learn a little bit more about the kingdom as you describe it and define it for us. Help us to see what you want us to see, but help us to hear and really understand what you want us to hear today. We surrendered this time now to your purposes in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, finish this little phrase for me. A picture is worth a thousand words. Donnie's hoping it's worth more than that. Right? He's our photographer. Absolutely. Okay, a picture's worth a thousand words. Why? Because it can be difficult to describe something and have people really catch up with you and track with you and understand what it is you have seen. Have you ever met someone new and then you try to describe them to someone? That can be difficult, can't it? Well, they kind of look like this person, but not really, and they sort of talk like that person, but different. That's, that's hard to do, isn't it? How about describing a place you've been? Maybe a trip you've been on or an event you've attended. It can be difficult to find the right words to describe something. Uh, my brother and I have a little thing sometimes because of some of the conversations we've heard like that where people say, hey, I have something just like that. And then they go on to describe something totally different. And so we have this little thing where every once in a while we'll look at each other and one of us will say, hey, I love that shirt. Whoop. We'll say, I love that shirt. Uh, I have one just like it, only mine isn't long sleeve. Uh oh, we're losing something here. All right, I'll stand still. Well, we use, well, there we go. All right. We'll say, I have a shirt just like that, but you know what? It's a little different. Yours is short sleeve and mine is long. Yours has no collar, but mine does. Yours is a pullover t-shirt. I have buttons and mine is striped and blue and yours is really red and we'll describe something totally different because we hear people do that all the time. Word pictures are important though, aren't they? We need to use these word pictures to help people understand and get a better picture. Uh, I can remember talking uh, with a couple once and... Uh, many years ago, 
and he told me that, that one of the things that helped him to understand his wife the best was she was trying to describe how she was feeling when he acted a certain way and it just didn't really sink in. Until they were at a movie and they saw a particular scene and they saw the way this particular puppy had responded in a situation and she tapped him and said, that is how I feel when this goes on. And he went, whoa, now I get it. Word pictures help. Word pictures help. They help us to see and understand things a little more clearly. Well, in Matthew 13, Jesus uses a series of word pictures or parables to describe the kingdom of God and to help us to gain an understanding a little bit better of what it's like, what it's about, the nature of the kingdom, and how it works. And so we'd like to walk through Matthew 13 this morning. As we do, I'd like to take it in some different chunks, though. And so we're going to begin in verse 10, because that is where Jesus answers the question, why in the world are you using these word pictures? The disciples come to Jesus after hearing one of these stories and say, what's going on? Why are you talking like this? And he answers this question. So join me here in Matthew 13, verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. Jesus often taught with parables. He used stories and images to describe spiritual realities. And he tells us here why. The disciples said, you're talking to the Pharisees, you're talking to these people, and you keep using these parables, these stories, and sometimes they're hard to understand. Why are you speaking like this? And Jesus said, so that those who see and hear and respond to me will gain more understanding about who I am and about how the kingdom works. So that those who truly see and those who truly listen and those whose hearts are honestly tuned in so that they will tune right in and will track with me. But it's also on the other side of that coin so that those who have hard hearts, those who have closed their eyes, those who refuse to hear what I have to say, that they will not gain understanding and they will be kept 
from the further things I'm sharing. See, back in chapter 11, we read this. Jesus said in chapter 11, verse 27, No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And so Jesus, frequently through the Gospels, as He teaches in parables, He will use the phrase, He who has ears, let him hear. Or, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, don't just listen to this story and walk away. Are you really tuned in to what I'm saying? I didn't come to entertain you with cute stories. I'm teaching you something here, and are you really focused into what I'm saying? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so the question for you and I, as we hear these parables and read them today, is the same question that faced the people there in the first century, walking around Israel, following Jesus, hearing these stories for the very first time. Is my heart tuned in? Are my eyes tuned into what Jesus wants me to see? Will I really hear what he's saying, or will I say, oh yeah, those are great stories, I've heard those before. Oh yeah, this means this and this means that. We just carry on as though Jesus were just giving us information. Am I tuned in to what he has to say? Most of the people who heard Jesus share these parables heard him speak and then they walked away. But a number of times the disciples come to Jesus and say, you were up to something with that story and I'm not sure we got it. Tell us more. Help us to process this so that we don't miss what you're saying. And that's exactly what he does. So let's take a look at these pictures of the kingdom found here in Matthew chapter 13. Some of them will be very familiar to you. And that may be a very good thing. It may also be a very dangerous thing. Sometimes they're so familiar we say, yeah, whatever, I've heard that. Let's walk through these with fresh eyes and ears this morning and ask the Lord, you say to us exactly what you're saying to us and help us not to miss it. Amen? Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus tells this parable not about a sower and not about seed. He tells this parable about soils. And he's talking here about the reception, the response to his teaching. 
And as he's teaching and talking to this whole crowd, including Pharisees, including people that had come from the towns and villages, including his disciples, he tells the story about those that are right there listening to him speak. And he's saying, if you have ears to hear, make sure you hear this. Don't miss what I'm saying. Join me in verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Here, Jesus tells the parable of the wheat and the weeds. The point being all kinds of things about, about spiritual warfare, about the, the work of Satan, and about judgment, about how everyone might be mixed in together now, but there is a great sorting out to come. There is a great sorting out to come. Look at verse 31. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. He tells two stories of the, the mustard seed and the yeast. And he says, here's how the kingdom works. The kingdom is small. The kingdom may at first seem insignificant. The kingdom might come at first and seem uneventful. But it is small and it is quiet. And slowly, slowly it impacts and makes a difference and a change that you would never imagine. So don't be deceived by the big splash. And he's looking at the crowd that keeps asking him for more signs. Do another show for us. And he says the kingdom comes quietly and slowly, but surely it keeps coming and coming and coming. And just like then, today, we are often so deceived in life, in ministry, in church. Give us the show. Give us a big splash. And then maybe it'll look like God's doing something. And we'll get all emotionally worked up and everything will be great. No, 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 no. The kingdom works slowly and quietly, sometimes almost imperceptibly. It's, but it's working one heart at a time. As one person comes into the kingdom, as one person is called to repentance and faith, and as Jesus continues to grow his fruit in us as we abide in him. 
Don't look for the big splash. He says the kingdom is different than that. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, what a man found and covered, um, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Why? So that he can get that treasure. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Here Jesus talks about the treasure and, and the pearls. Those things of great value, which cost everything. And he says, that's what the kingdom's like. The kingdom is more valuable and more important than anything you've imagined and than anything you could ever dream of or hope to attain to. The kingdom is that valuable. And it will cost you everything. Well, somebody told me it was free. No, 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 no. Jesus said, if you do not deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me every day, you cannot be my disciple. He says, you see, when you come and you surrender to me, everything changes. Everything changes. The kingdom costs everything. It is that valuable. It is worth all that you have and all that you are. Verse 47, he continues, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish out of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He talks about the kingdom as a net that just scoops up all kinds of fish, all kinds of people. And at first it might look like they're all mixed in and they're all part of this. No, no, no. There is a big sorting out coming. And God is the one who will do it. He will decide who belongs where. And he will do this. And so seven times in this short chapter, Matthew records for us these pictures of the kingdom, these parables that Jesus gave to tell us about the nature of the kingdom, the progress of the kingdom, and where things are headed. And so we can take these things and we can start to piece together a little bit more about what the kingdom's all about and what it's like, its value and the way it works and all these kinds of things. But to make sure... To make sure that we don't miss the point. Matthew has also included for us Jesus' explanation of two of these parables. Wouldn't that be the best place to go to understand exactly what they're talking about? Absolutely. So let's make sure we're hearing the point this morning. And jump back with me now to verse 18. This follows the section we began with where the disciples came and said, Jesus, why do you keep telling them these stories? And Jesus explained why. Remember, those who are tuned in to me and they're honestly listening and they're engaged in this and this is where their heart is, they will gather this information, they will listen, they will learn, and they will grow. But those with hard hearts, those here with ulterior motives, those here with their eyes and ears closed to what I'm really about and what I'm really doing, they're not going to get this. He's explained that. But then he says, hear then the parable of the sower. 
well, we already did. Yes, but now that you know why I'm teaching this way, you need to understand that I wasn't just talking about a farmer and a few fields. What was I really saying? Let me walk you through this, guys. So that's what he says. When anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Those seeds that bounced on the hard ground, the birds came and took it away and it had no, no time to sink down in and bear fruit. He said, that's the work of Satan. Satan's at work as well today. And he has blinded people and he, he distracts people and he is active and working. And there are people who have hard hearts who have rejected Jesus already. And those Pharisees, they'd already determined that they were going to kill him, but they keep asking him for another sign. Give us another show and tell us one more thing. And they're working all these things, but they've already settled that they have rejected him. As we saw in chapter 11 and 12, Jesus said those are the hearts where the word just comes and it bounces and it's gone. He continues, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Jesus said, I'm, I'm here teaching about the kingdom. I'm here saying, repent, turn around, get back in line with God, with who he is and what he's doing, because he's at work and the kingdom's at hand here, folks. And I'm teaching you what the kingdom's all about. And there are some people who say, this is amazing. We've never heard anything like this. This is so exciting. It's fantastic. Sign me up. Where's Jesus going next? Because I want to be there tomorrow to hear him again. This is great stuff. And they're all excited. And they're fascinated at the healing that he does and, and the miracles that he's performing right there in front of them. They're amazed and excited at his teaching. But at the heart of it is this question, what's in this for me? And it looks like they're following Jesus because they're tracking with him all up and down the countryside, village to village, show to show, message to message. But as soon as some persecution comes, as soon as some difficulty comes because of the word, they say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, uh, that's more than I wanted to pay. That's, that's, a, little bit, that's a little bit different. That's, that's too much. You're asking a lot of me. Jesus, I had no idea you were asking these things of me. And people are starting to give me a hard time for following you. And all these other things are coming up in my life. Forget it. I'm out of here. I thought this was a ticket to an easy life. A life of miracles and joy and amazement. So I'm gone. In John chapter 6, when Jesus is teaching, most of those following him said, okay, this is just too much. And they walked away. And he looked at his disciples and said, are you going to? What did they say? Where else could we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. We're going to stay whatever the cost. Why? The kingdom's that valuable. The kingdom's that valuable. Well, Jesus continued, verse 22, As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, 
and it proves unfruitful. There are those who seem to really latch on and grasp the gospel and, and it seems like they're connected and they're walking in the kingdom and they're excited about all of this. But as he warned us back in chapter 6, there are people that think that they can serve two masters. And they say, you know, I'd love to follow Jesus, but I've got a lot to do today. I'd love to follow Jesus, but there are some great opportunities out there for me and you know, I've got to include those. I'd love to follow Jesus, but you know, there, if I do that, I won't get my hands on this, and this stuff's pretty good. And they're distracted and too busy. And, and the word here for the, the deceitfulness here is this delight and deception. It's like this deceitful pleasure that says, come on, just get into this now. Come on, you can have this. And people get distracted. And they start spending just a little bit more time chasing this. And a little bit more time enjoying this. And a little less time with Jesus. I used to spend time with the Lord every day. But you know, I'm a busy guy. And you know, I've got, I've got these hobbies. And I'm, if I can just put in a few extra hours at work, they're going to notice me. And you know where that's going to go. So I think I'll do those things. And you know, I don't really have time for the Lord. So uh, you know, I'll make up for that on Sundays. And Sundays are great, except I've got these hobbies. And they kind of take over. And Sundays are great, except I've got these other opportunities at work. And I've got these other things that I'd like to do. And it just gets in the way. And Day by day, time at time, week by week, a month at a time, next thing you know, they've drifted and gone. Jesus said the, the seed didn't really take root. It was just there in a top little layer of soil and it looked good for a little while. But everything else around it came and choked it out. And it was done. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. How do you know if Jesus' teaching of the kingdom has really taken root? Jesus says the only way to know is fruit. Wait and watch. Water, help, encourage it, and step back and you watch and you wait for fruit. I will produce my fruit in the one who abides in me. So let me see what's really happening. You see, too often we think we, were call, we are called to make decisions instead of disciples. And if I can get nine people to repeat after me and sign a little card, I think I'm good to go. You don't find that here. We're called to make disciples. To teach people what it means to repent of sin, to turn their backs on doing things their own way. And the weight of that statement that Jesus is Lord and I am not. And what it means to follow him. And we're told to bring them along and teach them, Jesus said, to obey everything I've commanded you. Keep teaching, keep walking, keep encouraging. And watch for fruit. John 15, Jesus said there's a lot of branches in, a, in, in this vineyard. <laughs> Not all of them are connected to the vine. How do you know which ones are connected to the vine? 
you tell by fruit. Matthew chapter 7, he's already said that about those that we're teaching. Not everyone who teaches then or today, anyone can get a book published. Anyone can start a blog and a website. Anyone can get on TV if they have enough money to start the process. Not everyone who teaches is teaching the word. What did he say in Matthew 7? Look for fruit. Not numbers in a big show. Look for kingdom fruit. That's what he says. That's what he says. We're here to call people to repentance and rescue. Not to an easy life where they just skip through the meadows now. That's not what this is about. Jesus says in the parable of the soils, interest and excitement is not enough. It's just not enough. If following Jesus just fits right into my life with no change in my heart, in my mind, in my values, and in my direction, then I need to really re-examine if I'm seriously following Jesus. If following Jesus just slips into who I am and into my routines and never comes into conflict with my way of doing things and my old way of doing things, then I've got a problem and some serious questions to ask. Because following Jesus is an entire reorientation of who I am and what I'm all about. To walk with the King and honor God in all things. So this is the parable of the soils. So he says, just because I've got this huge crowd following me town to town, guys, doesn't mean you should get too excited just yet. Why? Lots of seed is going out. There's a lot of soil mixed in this crowd, he says. Let's watch and see. And by the way, he was talking to his disciples at that point, including Judas. Including Judas. Later, he speaks about the parable of the weeds. When we get down to verse 36, he says, Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him again, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. So he said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will, gather, they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Do you really understand, guys, what I'm saying about this? I am here and I am the one who is spreading my people, my good seed, my sons of the kingdom throughout the world. Our enemy, the devil, continues to work and his sons of the evil one are everywhere. They might be mixed in together now, but make no mistake, there will be a harvest. There will be a great sorting out. There will be a time of judgment. Jesus says, it's possible to be with God's people, but not be one of God's people. 
He says it's possible, it's possible to spend time with and around God's people and to blend in, but not really be there at the heart. I'm just kind of here because it's a great group of people. And I mean, look at us. It's a friendly, nice group and love to do things together. This is fantastic. And I'll just kind of slide in under the radar and I'll just hang out. Jesus says, that's a crowd. That's not a follower of Christ. It's an issue of the heart. And you can fool me and I can fool you. And, you know, people can fool us and we can deceive ourselves. But in the end, he says... God will sort it out. He who sees right to the heart. God knows. God knows. And just because he's left a few weeds amongst the wheat doesn't mean he's unaware or that he doesn't care. He knows. And he will sort this out. So he ends by saying again, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Don't miss out on that, Jesus says. And so we come to the end of Matthew 13 and we ask ourselves, what is my response to Jesus? Is it kind of a surface response? And as long as Jesus solves my problems and heals my relationships and repairs any damage that I've done to others and, and gives me a good life and opens up good productive doors for me and in business and everything else, as long as things go my way, then okay, I'll follow Jesus. Or as long as nobody ever says anything to me or nobody at school or at work ever laughs at me or nobody ever attacks me for following Jesus, then I'll be in. Or... Do I say, I want to come and abide in Christ. I just want Him to live and produce His fruit in my life. What's the reality of my relationship with Jesus? Am I just hanging out with God's people or am I one of His people? And when I'm reaching out to others with the gospel, what is it I'm looking for? Am I looking for statistics? Or am I looking for reality? What are my expectations? What am I calling people to? Am I calling people to repent and turn around and walk with the Savior? And then am I watching for fruit? And doing everything I can to encourage them along the way? Or do I say, oh good, you think this sounds nice? Sign here, and now I'll move on to someone else and just let you flounder. As the seed sinks that deep and the shoot jumps right up, for a time. For a time. What are we after? What is God speaking into my life this morning and what will I do about it? Those are the questions we walk away with. And as we do, my heart goes back to James chapter 1 which says, Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Let's humble ourselves before God and say, what are you speaking into my life today and what do you want me to do as a result? And then let's watch him work. That's how the kingdom works. He who has ears to hear, let him hear.